You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, welcome to Utabia, Stephen Chicken, joined down the line as usual by Opta's David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Not bad at all. How are you? Yes, good, thank you. Huddersfield Town have drawn with Luton Town, one all. We're not singing songs about Luton Town away anymore, are we, Dave? That joke's worn a bit thin now. It's four <laughs> times Town have played Luton since coming back into the championship, and four times they've failed to beat them. Yeah, um, I thought the game Saturday, I thought it was quite... I mean, as usual, they got a bit of a reaction second half and were a bit better. But I thought that first half was was pretty bad. Um, you know, we'll get into the individual analysis, but like I've made a page and a half of notes on the first goal, Steve, and that's never a good sign, is it? No, not when you've conceded that goal. It's the third game in a row. If we if we're going to get into it straight away. Third game in a row where Naby Sarr has, has committed an error that's led to a goal. I imagine that's your starting point for these notes. Yeah, but I, I like I'm I'm going to make you a point now, Steve. That I think every single one of the back four has made an individual error in that mm. goal. Um, the like the goal scored on eleven minutes. And already twice, when Town have had possession at the back, you could see what Luton are doing, which is basically either side, they're just putting wanting to put a man into the, the space behind one of the fullbacks because they're playing so high, so high. And Luton were just brave enough to keep doing it, basically. And 11 minutes in, only 11 minutes in, they got their reward because... Toffolo and Pippa are so high, they can't, when the the ball gets lost, they're just completely out of the game. Toffolo's, you know, 20, 25 yards away from the man, and Pippa is, is trying desperately to just get back into the box and be able to do anything, but he's got no chance. But Namizar steps out with it. He plays a real, it's a nothing ball into midfield. It's the, it, that's the most frustrating thing to me, is it's like, it's, it, it's not a percentage ball or anything. It's just a sort of nothing ball drifted to Towards I'm, the midfield. I genuinely, I've I've watched it several times. I'm not even sure what he's trying to do. No, and it gets cut out, and immediately, like <laughs> to sort of complete the set of individual errors before I talk about the sort of the the formation. Keo is just not alive to the danger at all. He starts running back into the box, and I've watched it several times. Collins comes in over his shoulder. Um, and there's also Jordan Clark backing him up as well, who Pippers can't get anywhere near. But Keo sort of drifts to the near post. He never once looks back over his shoulder. And to me, he should have gone and tried to get tight to the man because there was he was never cutting that cross out. Hogg was desperately trying to come over. Keo just drifts to the near post. He doesn't slide and try and cut the cross out. He's nowhere near a man. It's just a nothing run it's it's com- a sort of really basic complete unawareness of what's going on around him and it's really frustrating because it's it's 
sort of simple things and that's where you want your experienced defender to help you out you know he should have sniffed the danger was coming over his shoulder and he should have tried to get tight to that man so he could at least try and get something on the cross or make it difficult but (sighs) Collins and Clark's runs are just straight runs into the box they don't have to do anything they don't have to do anything clever so we can all sit here and criticize Saar for the ball but Pippa and Toffolo are just not aware that they're being targeted and the space behind them is being targeted. Keo just doesn't do anything to sort of affect the play. And Saar has come wildly out of position, but he's at least tried to rectify his error. But it's just... It's the not reacting that's driving me crazy. Mm. When when Saar plays that ball, Luton have actually got three men. When when at the moment it gets cut out, at the moment the, the Luton midfielder heads it, Luton have been brave enough. They've got three men between Hogg and Saar and Keogh. So they they that's no fluke. <laughs> They know what they want to do. They know where the space on that pitch is. And they are just, they're not even really looking for the overloads. They just know where the space is going to be. And Town have just got to be more reactive or they're just going to keep conceding goals like this. And it's frustrating because it, it is basic stuff. It's not, they're not being like moved around and pulled out of position time and time again. Yeah. It's like really, really basic stuff. And the the really frustrating thing for me is that like a few, a few minutes later, Danny Potts hits the, hits the post with a header. There's eight Huddersfield Town players in the box at the point of the cross. There's four loot players. And how many Huddersfield Town players do you think actually jump with Danny Potts for the header? Is there's it none? Three men, yeah, there's three men round him, but none of them actually jumps for the header. And, like, I mean, I, I, I don't want to load it onto the poor lad, but how he missed that, I don't know. It was actually harder to, <laughs> harder to miss that than just nod it in. But then after that, Town actually get themselves together and defend pretty well for sort of half an hour, 45 minutes. And that's where it gets really frustrating because you think, well, you can do this. You <laughs> You can do this so why can't you do it for 90 minutes why do you have to why do you permanently have to sort of be shocked into action shocked into a reaction and just shocked into a bit more understanding of what the opposition are trying to do it's it's town are so frustrating at the minute so frustrating just to mount a bit of a defense of one of the players you mentioned there harry toffolo was playing really high up the pitch they played Dwayne holmes on the left wing so that toffolo could basically have the run of the left side and it was working in the first sort of 10 minutes or so before the goal there was one moment about two minutes before the goal where if where Nabi Saar had the ball on halfway, the right back had gone away from Toffolo. And Toffolo, if Saar had looked up quickly, seen that pass, which everyone else in the ground could see, and played it over the top to him or down the side to him, because he had the option because the right back was nowhere near him, Toffolo would have had the whole of the final third to run into and Town would have been in. They probably would have scored from there. And Saar just sort of dithered on the ball and then played the wrong pass, played it straight to the centre-back. So they were getting luck up that left-hand side. And to be to be fair to Toffolo, like, that was clearly the the instruction he had was get high when we're on the ball because you're basically our left winger he's not expect. I mean he was there to receive the pass if Sarah had wanted to go to him he could have done but he, he tries this weird what I again I don't know what it is he tries but this weird pass up the ball, middle but you see this is the thing Steve this is where this is where I mount the defense of my view <laughs> in this heated debate uh the reason he has to try that sort of nothing ball into midfield is because Watford uh, I think it might be Harry Cornick I'm not or 
was it Pele and Panza? I'm not sure. I'd, I'd have to watch it again. But the reason he can't play, he hasn't got that out ball, is because if you watch, he's just he's seen Toffolo go, so he's immediately just pulled off into that space. Mm. And that's why when they, they win that ball, that header, it's a good header, but he's heading into space. He's not heading to a man because he knows that's where the space on the pitch is. And, and so, Well, Sarg then compounds the error, is the thing. It's like... There is still an opportunity, even after he's given it away, for him to defend that ball. All he need, all yeah. he needs to do, and it was again, it was it wasn't those where you watch the replay and go, oh, he's made a mistake there. It was obvious first time watching the goal live in the stadium that he goes to the man to try and win the ball because he's desperate to try and atone from that error. Whereas he should have taken a step back and defended that space between Keo and and left back where Toffolo yeah. was missing and just stand held off. it up. Ha- ha- yeah, yeah, stand off, hold it up until. Toffolo's back and you probably defend that move or at least you've got a good chance of doing it the worst yeah. thing he could have done was was move forward and just leave that whole right wing completely exposed so yeah yeah I just my frustration just comes from the point that it was just so obvious what Luton wanted to do yeah. there and it was it was it was like town could see the cheese they could see the <laughs> mouse trap they could see the cheese on the mouse trap and they still thought that's a delicious piece of cheese and I just that's the problem the the thing is they do that but then they go on in the game once they've got themselves sorted out to prove that they can defend and that's when you're like why can you not do this for 90 minutes and I don't know if it's a managerial thing I don't know if it's a personnel thing we keep coming up with lots of excuses Steve yeah. you know the rotation partnerships not being ideal young defenders coming in you know when when Edmund Green has come in but it, it's the really basic organisation sometimes and the the other problem is, I think if you're going to play with Pippa and Toffolo so high in possession, you've got to have more of a plan than Jonathan Hogg to, to win it back as soon as you drop out of possession. Because just dropping Hoggy in to try and split the centre-backs and create a three to provide a bit of cover, it, it's it's not enough, really. If you Because Pippa and Toffolo are... I mean, we keep calling them full-backs, and then we've migrated to calling them wing-backs occasionally. But, I mean, essentially, most games... Town really are they, they really do push them on and essentially play them as wingers most of the time. Yeah, they're I mean, two, three, five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pippa often pops up as a ten. Yeah. Never mind, <laughs> never mind a winger. So it, it's that it's that sort of constant lack of cover, you know, and exposure when you do lose the ball that I think costs Town so dearly time and time again. And I think the really frustrating thing for me is this is another game where Town aren't a million miles away. You know, they're not. They're not a million miles away from being much better and winning this game. It's just that yeah. tweaking and fine-tuning and just having a little bit more of a plan. And they they could have comfortably got something more than a, a point that... I mean, let's be honest, it's one of them points that everybody's... No, nobody's... I put it this way, on social media and speaking to various people, nobody felt like that was a good point to come away with. It was more about, you know, the performance and giving away another goal like that, etc. Which is understandable with the run they're on. I think in the grander scheme of things, it probably is a good point. But in the context of the fact that they needed a win and particularly that, as you say, that first half performance, I think it's it's worth saying I, I understand where Corbrand's coming from because he praised the team's spirit after the game. It, it really was a 100 miles an hour game. 
game. There wasn't a lot of quality from either side uh, throughout the game. And I think if it, it sort of reminded me of the Coventry game in December in that both teams were, were really, really going for it. Everyone on the pitch sort of at least had to work hard. If, there, if Town had been carrying any passengers, they would have got walloped in that game because Luton were really going for it. So there is that slight positive there in that they at least had the energy, but they need to have a bit more quality and that goes all over the pitch. It's not just, we're not just talking about the front three, we're talking about all 11 players really because even, you know, Schofield's distribution was really poor. I thought this was one game where they've, um, where they've, struggled a bit um with with not having Ben Hamer because his distribution was so good in the first half of the season. Pippa was anonymous and Benza was anonymous. The only time I remember him Benza being on the ball was when they switched him to the left wing. Um I've got, there was a couple of minutes just before half time where he had a couple of nice touches but that was it. Um and Benza to me it's that classic thing of he's he started playing a lot better and he's been the key man for town in certain games and uh the problem is he's getting planned for now. So often yeah. you'll see a midfielder come out and double up on him, or you'll see you'll see a fullback essentially with the brief just to stick tight to him rather than bomb on themselves. And he's now got to go to that next level where he overcomes the fact that you've got to be good. Then you've got to be good enough to get past the fact that other people know you're good, if you know what I mean. And then you know go to that next level. And I think he's just. It was like that Stoke game where they were they they really did a number on town all over the pitch he's got to get used to opposition analysis picking him out as a as a real danger man i think yeah for sure bakuna had a sort of peak Janino bakuna um game there was one where in the first half where he, he ran through the whole sort of looting midfield and got towards the box and he had two passes one either side uh, and I think O'Brien was was the pass to pick uh, and he decided no I'm gonna have a shot from here even though he was on his left foot and just pulled it completely wide it's like just because you've beaten three players doesn't mean you get to have the shot backer like um, and you know he was on a four for me until the second half I thought he was better in the second half but you know he, he had to be because he was dreadful in the first half yeah and the, the the problem is this is just this this whole performance just sort of laid open so many of town's problems yet again because even though they upped it in the second half and they ended up with 60 percent possession overall you know Luton with 40 percent possession still had more shots still had double that town shots on target double the xg still had more block shots had one more corner hit the post uh, twice had over double yeah have over double what up to class as a big chance than town and it, it's it's that it's that thing of it it, may, it was a 90 mile an hour game at times but what you've got to be able to do in a 90 mile an hour game is you've got to be able to pick that moment to sort of grab the game by the scruff of the neck and go no we're going to play it now at mm. our pace and if you've got 60% of possession in the game overall that suggests there was plenty of opportunity to do that to say no this is this is what we're going to do and you just the second half was better I thought it was much better like you I thought Backer was good I thought Jonathan Hogg was very good second half at, at doing what we've talked about before which is is trying to get them all facing forward much quicker yeah and and stopping the the balls across the back four and I thought you know I, the, I thought the subs made a big difference as well I thought Aaron's when he came on was looked lively looked okay um but yeah it's just another it just felt like if you were gonna sort of 
describe a really typical Huddersfield Town performance this year as a whole you would say well they'll probably go down early they'll struggle a little bit then they'll get into the game but without much of a cutting edge and hopefully they'll scramble an equaliser at some point and that's exactly what happened against Luton and they've got to they've got to find a way to do a bit a bit more than that and I don't just think it's people coming back from injury um, I think there's a little bit no. more to it than that I think I think we're past that now to be honest and they do need to integrate some of their new signings into the team and there's all these sort of uh, almost excuses that that previously we would have said were reasons um, and explanations but now I think we're our in we're past the point where that is the case now and I think we're almost into excuse territory to be fair Carlos Gorbran is not trying to make those excuses you know he's he's fronting up about these performances but he doesn't really have a choice when they've not won any of the last seven and they're still looking for their first win in 2021 so yeah weirdly they were actually better in the second half despite you know that their possession dropped dramatically they only had 54% Mm. possession in the second half their pass success dropped um, dramatically as well Um, you know they had 75% in the first half and then that dropped down to to 69% for the second half and I think the game plan was to try and be that direct throughout the game I I don't think it was something he tried to change because Corbrand did make a change midway through the first half after about 25 minutes he tried to he tried playing Dwayne Holmes as as what was meant to be I think a false nine and then I think the idea was that well he explained the idea was to have the the wingers he moved Campbell out to the right and they were almost meant to be sort of wide centre forwards rather than wingers but it it did just look like the the normal four three three to be perfectly honest that didn't yeah. work and then he, he made that change at half time as you say brought Aaron's on I thought Pritchard had a bit of an influence as well um, without being sort of individually brilliant I think just having him between the lines and having what we were talking about with Sar playing that pass just someone to play into I think yeah. made it made a bit of a difference for for the way that Town built the play and made them look a bit more dangerous dangerous um but yeah just just they need to they need to find a win is the long and short of it and and they're not going to do that while these you know when they're still having sort of one good half and one bad half they they still and how many times we said it on this podcast they still haven't put together that 90 minutes and you would have thought I was thinking about this last night. Town were really, really up and down the first half of the season. They'd have a good performance, then a bad performance. And we talked about good town and bad town a lot. And I'm wondering if we were naive a bit to think, well, we're going to see the good start to come more regularly uh, in the second half of the season and they'll get better rather than considering the possibility that the bad might end up being the the one that ended up winning in a bit of a Spider-Man versus Venom type situation. (laughs) Now you're talking my language. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but of course, Venom is your classic anti-hero, whereas but you probably want to talk about the town match, so I better get back to that. But yeah, I, I think you, there might be something in that, but it was, I think one of the reasons, because I, I think it's worth saying that fans watching did not really take this game very well. <laughs> Certainly looking across my Twitter briefly as I did, um, there was there was an awful lot of, <laughs> there was an awful lot of people who this this performance actively annoyed and I do think it's 
because this was absolutely your, your typical performance from this season. Mm. Um, it was it was exactly how you could script it out. And unfortunately, this one came with a real killer blow because losing Toffolo potentially for three games has that been confirmed yet? I'm I'm waiting to, at time of recording. I've asked the question because Carlos Gulbran said they would probably look to appeal on the basis that that Toffolo slipped. Um, I have asked the question as to whether they are going to go ahead with that appeal. I've not had a, an answer just yet um, as as we record this on, on Monday, so we'll see. But, I mean, he does slip, but he's already his left foot is already halfway towards yeah. the, the opposition player's shin when he, when he slips, so it probably explains the follow-through and makes it look worse. But, it, I mean, it was a clear red card for me. And and you have to be, in those weather conditions, you have to you have to be aware of the possibility that, that there's a slip hazard there. Yeah, I, I think the official's answer to that would be that, yeah, he's he, he slipped and his back leg has gone, but he shouldn't be going in like that from that angle because it's not the slip. He doesn't slip and that slip causes him to hit him in the shin pad with all six studs. He goes in for the challenge like that, and as he goes in, it's actually his trailing foot that goes and causes the follow-through, follow yeah. like you said. The the initial contact for me is more than enough for, for the red card, and I thought what was disappointing there is that was clearly a, a really frustrated Harry Toffolo because he doesn't go in like that. You know, he, he takes the touch, and it's a heavy touch, and he goes in to try and win it back, but he's square on with the player there, and he just lunges forward. And it's just a real, I think it's just a real tired, frustrated challenge. And it's, I mean, some people were saying, yeah, but he slipped, so it shouldn't have been a red card. But you just, you can't, you can't judge it on intent. And you can't judge it on the fact that the slip has caused the follow through to look worse than it was. The initial contact was red all day long for me and I think I think the other side of it is you have to be honest enough and say if that was if that was somebody doing that to a town player everybody would be absolutely screaming for a red wouldn't they yeah exactly I mean it's it's the first straight red he's ever ever had in his career from what I can tell um he, he got two yellows once um when he was playing for Scunthorpe on loan a few years ago but yeah I mean he's <laughs> not that type of player Dave he barely even gets he doesn't actually get booked that often actually since he's joined down um so but that's that's what i mean he just doesn't he doesn't tackle like that he doesn't go in like that at all that's just not his he's not a blood and guts you know last ditch sliding tackle fullback neither's pippa so when when to see him going in like that as i said i think it was just a sort of tired frustrated annoyed at his own bad touch Harry Toffolo there. I, I I mean, if they appeal that and get anything, I think they might get one game rather than three. But I, I would be incredibly surprised if that gets overturned. But yeah, we'll see. Too. Yeah, we'll see. Stranger things have happened. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that does leave a gap in the side, obviously. We've got Wickham coming up at the weekend. Jaden Brown took, took a bit of a blow to the head playing for the B team last week. So he's been going through the concussion protocols obviously they need to treat that very seriously um and we can't they can't rush him back by by any means so we'll need to it's very much a wait and see at this stage until we hear that he's been cleared to return to full training he could potentially play against Wickham on Saturday because the minimum is is six days but obviously they're going to take the utmost care with him um you would imagine that he would come straight in though if he is able to play wouldn't you yeah I'd say so I I I mean (laughs) 
they do have a couple of options. They could switch to a they could switch to a three with Critchlow and and just play I don't know play whoever out there on the left, but as more of a as more of a true sort of left midfielder. Um, I think Brown is the natural option. You you came up with a different solution, <laughs> didn't you? I did. Yeah, it was just something I, I was thinking about because someone uh, Tom Marshall Bailey, who's now my boss, suggested we have a look at the the alternatives, and I thought, well, it's going to be Jaden Brown, but then I thought actually. There might be something, and we talked about Pippa likes to come in and cut inside and basically play as a number 10. And we've talked a lot as well about the fact that Campbell is not well suited to playing with um, with two sort of natural-sided wingers. Rolando Aarons was much better on the right um, here, and we were saying we'll keep him on the right, even if that means switching Mbenza over and, and losing sort of a, you know 10% of Mbenza's game. That probably is better for the team. Um, and obviously they played Dwayne Holmes to try and get someone cutting inside because that's what Town are used to. They're used to having that left-sided player cutting inside and it just got me thinking, if, if Toffolo can't play anyway, might there be something in Pippa playing on the left-hand side and him being the, the player who cuts in? So Aarons can then stay on the left and he can go on the outside and Pippa can be the one coming on the inside and possibly even you could then encourage him to take those shots that he, he took a lot of in the early season and I think someone must have told him not to take so many because he all of a sudden stopped taking them um and he's barely had any shots the last sort of couple of months or so so i wonder if there might be something in that because that might kill two birds with one stone and i think you're then looking at probably playing D'Amico de haney behind and benza and i think there's merit in that as well because similarly we've seen in benza and pippa sometimes end up occupying the same space which is why pippa comes in as that number 10 de haney is a little bit more conservative so and benza is not going to be looking to to cover as much he's, he's not going to need to sort of hang back which is something we've talked about before as well that you touched on dave is and benza can never quite go all the way um off the leash because he's he's waiting to to see if he needs to cover for Pippa. Whereas with Dehaney there, you could probably let him go a bit more. So, yeah, I just yeah. thought that was an interesting possibility. Yeah, I think there's something in it to to a point. I think Dehaney is a, he's more of a percentage footballer. He doesn't want to do anything unless he's certain it's going to come off. You know, he's not a risk taker. So, I do think he's, he's more not... He, He's required if you do it that way. Um, but the other option is <laughs> Nabi Sara's played as a left back a few times, you know? Mm. Yeah, I mean, so that, or, or Lewis could, O'Brien you could put there. And then, yeah, you that, that I mean, you could. It, I think the thing we've said about having a settled back two, I think, is. is um, important and it's something that's cost town at various times this season but they, they need to be the right two <laughs> yeah. and I'm not sure if Keo and Sarah are the right two so you know switching Sarah out to the left and playing Critchlow there may be the way to go but the other, the other thing I would say is you, you've got to play your opposition and Wickham are going to come up and they're going to be a very low block team probably fairly limited aspiration they would they would snatch your hands off for a point I think um they're gonna look if anything to play on the break do you need four at the back you know do you do you sort of go with a three and just feel you'll be you'll be comfortable um because most of the most of the game is going to be played in the other half anyway I don't know I don't know I I think I'd probably be leaning towards a three myself um Mm. but we'll see we'll see yeah I I sort of I know we as you touched on I know we talked about needing that settled defensive unit but I think at this stage I almost think Saar just needs 
to be taken out the side at this point. Um, and I don't want to bang on about him because, you know, we know that he can play well and, and he was playing yeah. well before he was sort of having two or three good games and then one, one bad one. But it just seems that that's reversed now. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm looking at his minutes here. If he, if he plays sort of 90 minutes eight more times, then that's the most league minutes he's ever played in a single season uh, in his career. And he's, what is he, he's 27. So he's played a lot of football for him. And I think, I know that there's an argument that taking him out the side maybe intensifies the pressure on him in a way. Um, but I think at this point with the errors he's making, he he, he looks like he just needs a bit of a, yeah. a mental refresher and a bit to regain a bit of focus and just have a few games on the sideline to, to take stock before he comes back into the team. And I- I don't I, the thing is I don't necessarily buy that without the crowd in the stadium because I think part of being taken out is you feel it's a very sort of public thing and when you come back you feel like everybody's watching you and I think that's almost where playing without fans is a slight advantage it was one of the things that I think allowed and Benza and Ben Hamer to settle into a role this season so I think with Zara, I think the thing you mustn't lose sight of with Zara is that when he's good, he's he's really good. Yeah. You know, when he has a good game, he's usually comfortably the best defender by by a long way. Yeah. The problem is, it's these these errors that the the thing I keep finding with him is that when you look at his errors, when you go back through them, then it's not one specific thing. So it's not one specific ball out of defence. It's not one specific area of the pitch that he struggles in. It's not always under pressure. And you're right, that does suggest a a little bit of a tired mind. Um, And... Again, you got to play your opposition, and you think, well, if if you're going to rest him, and you look at the games that are coming up, <laughs> Wickham's probably the game that you would choose potentially to rest him in anyway. Yeah. Um, the, the only issue he, is, <laughs> who do you put in? Because you you've got Critchlow, who's really inexperienced. He's not necessarily an upgrade. And Stearman, Schindler, Edmunds, Green, Elphick, all slated to be back soon within the next next week or, I, or well, I, next next couple of weeks, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I to be honest with you, I would go with Critchlow or Vallejo. Um, I know I've said I think Vallejo is a central midfielder, but again, I think Wickham are going to come with the low block. I, I, I don't think you're going to need Vallejo to be the quickest of the two defenders. I, I think you can probably afford to let them potentially even give themselves 10 or 15 yards head start by the two of them dropping a little bit deep because the game's going to be played in front of them. It's it's not They're not going to get turned around an awful lot, I don't think. So, but I I don't know. It's it's a it's a quandary. It's a quandary. I mean, I like if if you ask me to pick the team, I think I'd go with a three, which means that Zars probably got to be in there with Vallejo in the middle and Critchlow on the bench as cover. Um, but yeah, it it's difficult because Toffolo is such a massive part of the side and mm. such a key part of the side that it's not you you can't just take him out and not change anything else, can you? That's that's yeah. the problem. He's so vital to this this city system that it ripples all over the pitch because I think without Toffolo whoever you put out there you've also got to look at how you're going to attack down that left hand side because Lewis O'Brien likes you know he has that instinctive thing with Toffolo where he knows when he's 10-15 yards either side of him instinctively and you lose that so you have to think about how you're going to work that side a little bit more so yeah not it's not not sort of a cut and dried one to just say well you just bring Brown in and everything's all right is it? No I, I think I'm going to be careful how I say this because I think they're obviously a worse side without one of their best players in it. Obviously, like that is. <laughs> so I'm just going to say that so there's no doubt where my intentions are when I say this. 
But I think they have been over-reliant on that left side at times. We've, we've talked about that. 50% of their play went up the Luton, went up that wing, went up the town left-hand side, uh, up Toffolo and, and Holmes's wing yeah. against Luton, which is is sounds a lot. It's actually only a bit more than they normally do. I think the average for the season is 43% of their play goes up the left wing as opposed to up the middle or up the right. Yeah. So we've said before that they're over-reliant, and I understand that is a, something that Corbrand has said. Well, I know that he said it because he's, he said it in press conferences once or twice that they're over-reliant on that side. So I do... I do wonder if in some ways not having Toffolo to call on might force them to try something different and and find a new way of playing that isn't reliant on that left-hand side, which I think could stand them in good stead. Uh, except the issue is, as we've talked about constantly, they need a result now. You know, it's, it's no good yeah. planning for the next sort of 10 games when they just need a result now. So, yeah. yeah. It's it's all this is the frustration, isn't it, with all of these things is nothing feels like it's a million miles away, but when everything is just a little bit off, it's a collective depression, isn't it? This is this is the issue. And I do I do think with town I think that it it's minor surgery that's required, but the problem is it's minor surgery required in almost every <laughs> every area and this is why it, there's no sort of potentially sort of no simple no easy questions and no simple answers at the moment and I think you're right I think it may force them to look at something different I hope what it doesn't do is they don't just go well we're just going to do exactly what we do on the left but we're going to do it on the right yeah I, I hope there's something a little bit more you know a little bit more thought behind it than that we'll see yeah I mean, it's it's a worrying time. Thankfully, some of the results went, or a lot of the other results went town's way, and the gap to the relegation zone has uh, grown for the time being. Obviously, Derby's game was postponed, so there's still time for, for that to change, depending on, on how that goes. But, I mean, we shouldn't even be having to look at the relegation zone. We shouldn't, at this stage no. of the season, after the first half of the season they had, we shouldn't be having to check the results after every game. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they, they, they have to beat Wickham now. I... Yeah, I mean, I think we said on the last podcast that it it was a game they had to win. I mean, it's it's now, it's now massive, really, and it's a horrible game for them because Wickham are gonna sit deep. And what what they do have to be careful of is Wickham have actually, I think they've they've conceded they've conceded more than Town, haven't they? Yeah. Um, but they are, you know, defensively they they are tough, resilient. They stay in shape. They don't get moved around easily and these are all the things that historically town struggle with and they really need to look at that Millwall game again and say right every single thing we did in this game we need to do the complete opposite because I think they're going to come up against something very very similar Wickham aren't a massive goal threat I don't have they even scored 20 goals yet this season 18 in 26 games yeah so I really do think it's a game where you have to focus on what you're doing and go and and go forward which is why like I say I might I might be tempted to risk and have a have a three at the back um, but have it as a true three really and get your, your midfield yeah. concentrate on going forward more than anything um, but yeah it's it, it, it is a must win because we 
we try not to sort of delve into the the emotional side and the fan side of things because we're trying to be analytical and we're trying to provide fans with an analytical edge but you have to talk about morale sometimes and if town lose that game it's it's really going <laughs> to it's really going to take a turn i think which is why it's it's just so vital that they they get a win and i don't even think if it matters steve if they get a good win i don't think no. it has to be 3 or 4 nil i think a scrappy 1 nil 3 points in the bag would be absolutely fine yeah definitely i mean they've got two really tough games after that they've got middlesbrough and swansea um which are not going to be easy games middlesbrough are not on a good run at all at the moment they've sort of they've, they've, they've dropped out of that sort of that. lost three out of the last four haven't they yeah and drew the other one so but swansea are in a fantastic run of form at the moment you know they got a massive result at the weekend as well um so i would say though that the the sort of point of light there is that it actually suits the, the one thing I think we can say is it actually suits town to be playing these better sides. They yeah. tend to, just because they don't come up against that low block and they there are more pockets of space because the teams are stepping out to try and beat them um, rather than, than sitting back. I think it speaks that volumes they, that, that if you look at the reverse fixtures, they beat Swansea and Middlesbrough, but they drew against Wickham. Yeah, so... Yeah, so it, I don't know. It's it's. <laughs> we keep saying three points every three games, don't we? <laughs> I, I mean, I but think they... I, I I tend to go four, four every four in every three. Um, I think we could have said three in every three, sort of at the turn of the new year, um, for safety. But um, you know, if they get if they get a point per game through to the end of the season, they still only just get over. You know, they get to fifty one points, um, which is cutting it too fine they need to get back to getting four points every three games um, mm. and it's difficult to predict that they will uh, in the, the yeah, coming but, three but they've got some fairly choice home fixtures yes that they can target coming up so they've got they've got uh, Coventry at home they've got Derby at home they've got Rotherham at home Birmingham they've Cardiff. got Birmingham at home uh, you know and obviously Wickham coming up so like it's not all it's not all doom and gloom but what they have got to do is win those fixtures <laughs> you you can't expect to lose you know two or three of them and still be absolutely fine is the thing you everybody has to earn their right to stay in a division and i think i think we both have a mind that town should stay in you know whether it'll yeah. be as comfortable as we initially thought or not i i don't know but they should have more than enough to 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 stay clear of dropping in but yeah you you've got to get going sooner rather than later haven't you that's the issue the word should is doing more and more work yeah. as, as the weeks yeah. go on um and I was fairly confident probably this time last month because Red, you would have said, well, Reddit are a good side. You know, they had, a, you know, Lucas Shaw was in great form, so they lost that game. And then after Watford, it was, well, you know, Watford are a good team. You wouldn't have, it was a bad performance, but you wouldn't have expected to win. And they had a lot of injuries. It was that Millwall game where things really started to turn because yeah. that was such a dismal performance. Um, and the Bristol game, it was, you know, a good second half, but it only counts for anything if, if they follow it up. And they haven't really to be honest um if anything they've gone back to to more like what they were before than than kicked on and and progressed and that's sort of the the distress the most distressing thing i think is just they look like 
at Christmas, we would have, you know, particularly when Carlos got his new contract, you would have said, you know, they're learning his style, they're adapting. And this is why we had that sort of more positive outlook on things because they, they had started to put a good run of form together. You know, lest we forget mm. um, that going into Christmas, they'd just had three wins in five. Beat, that, that, yeah. Yeah, they beat Watford 2 0. They lost away at Barnsley, but that was that was a bit of a weird That game. was Boxing Day as beat, well. They beat Blackburn. Yeah, they beat, beat Blackburn 2 1, and that was. That was decent, I thought, the, the Blackburn performance. Yeah. And so, then since then, it's just been... Yeah. It, it's The problem is, we're basically looking at this year, Town having played 45 minutes of good football, and everything else has been a bit off and a bit down. You know, we're, we're talking up that second half as an improvement, really, against Luton, but yet again, they're having to react to giving the other side a head start. Yeah, exactly. And... If, if you can't get a bit more energy into your game, if you can't turn a corner a little bit at half-time, then, you know, you really are doomed. So, well, they, again, that, that it's was... a little bit of a minimum requirement, isn't it, that they've hit there? Yeah, I mean, that's their first point from behind since the Middlesbrough game at the end of November. So it's mm. it's not like this is a team that can afford to go a goal behind and then they'll they'll fight back and win, which you might have said early in, in the season that you would have fancied their chances, whereas now we're sort of getting back to, if they go behind, it's like, well, <laughs> there's no way they're winning this game. Um, I don't know. We're, we're, this is it's very doom and gloom, but I think sort of necessarily so until they do get that win because, as I say, the word should is, is doing too much work at the moment and... We, we need to actually see an improvement. And as I say, the, the disheartening thing is just that they looked like they were developing and they were learning those principles and they looked like they were going to kick on and and become a better team, playing Corbrand style, because the first half of the season, we just get saying, well, they're making errors, but they're still getting used to the style. Well, now they've had plenty of opportunity to get used to that style. And if anything, they're getting worse. Um, do you think there might yeah, be... Go on. I, I was just going to make the case, though, that it is a bit doom and gloom, but I, I do think there's reason to, to, to be hopeful I do think there's reasons to not sort of just write everything off I think there, there are players coming back who will make a difference I think getting Hogg back into the side is massive and obviously we know traditionally Jonathan Hogg after this, this injury this hip injury takes two or three games to get back up to speed so you know just give him a couple of games and then I think he'll be a, a massive part of things again I think they will find different ways to attack with Holmes and Aaron Aaron's as a, a you know longer term part of the plan now and I think it's fairly obvious that we're not too far off seeing uh, you know Silber Thomas who is on the bench again as potentially a different option I put it this way I certainly think he's going to get his debut at some time in the next month or so from the bench and there are games to target there are home games coming up that it's it's you know if they if they do what what we hope they do then yeah you know they 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 should they should be fine they should be safe and the other side of Toffolo's red card is he is like the indestructible man he never gets injured he plays every minute of every game being for Harry Toffolo being forced into having a rest might not actually be a bad thing yeah I was thinking this yeah just just get him back from because I mean every game he must be playing at about 85 to 90 percent because he just plays so much football so getting back to that 95 percent plus bracket uh that will be no bad thing so 
I, I know it's been a doom and gloom podcast, but I do think there are it, it's it's worth. But I, I would keep your teddies in the pram. <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> you know, there there are there. I think there are going to be one or two decent days ahead, certainly before the end of the season. It's just all, you know, we can't sit here after this run and still winless in twenty twenty one. And after the nature of of that performance, we can't sit here and pretend it's sunshine and light. But I also don't think it's just complete abject misery either i think there's lots of reasons to be to still be hopeful yeah i think i think if they lose to wickham then they'll they'll sort of disappear but yeah i mean we we can't predict the future obviously can we can we predict the future no 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 okay Uh, no okay just worth checking um so uh, yeah we'll we'll see how it goes um one thing that that we should probably touch on a few people have messaged us about was was lee bromby was on commentary at the weekend and uh and and made some i don't think to be honest massively um critical comments but he was talking about the fact that you know they put loads of crosses into the box and hadn't had anyone on the end of them where do you stand on this dave um i it sort of went mini viral and i can i can like i can from the fans point of view I can completely understand them being annoyed that the man they perceive who should be helping out to sort problems is on cocoms saying you know these are problems I I get that I really do get that personally speaking I I don't have a problem with it I don't have a problem with him being honest I don't have a problem with anyone being honest but it it sort of feels a bit unnecessary doesn't it because it feels like the <sighs> I think if they'd had a really good transfer window and everyone was buzzing and they're on a good run and everything else, I think, you know, having nobody talks about this at all, do they? Because they're no. not doing micro-analysis of every single thing that's coming out of the club trying to pick fault. I mean, there was something else that happened at the weekend on Twitter and people talking about that you look at and you think, yeah, you know, if you're coming off, off the back of, I don't know, six points out of the last nine, nobody's even bothered What's about What's your favourite tennis club, Dave? I'm I'm not at liberty to say, and it was a squash club, I believe. Oh, sorry. But that's the sort of thing that, like I say, you just look at and you think, yeah, it, it, when if Town had won a couple of games, nobody's even bothered about yeah. this sort of thing. And that, that's not to say there's not legitimate criticisms that you no, can never let the club. No, no, no. But yeah, I mean, I think. I, th- I think someone's got to do the commentary. BBC Radio Leeds have a travel ban, um, so it doesn't affect mm. doesn't affect me at Reach. But it's I, a BBC yeah. thing, just to explain that one. That's why I can keep going to games that the BBC aren't, because it's their own company policy. Um, I don't think Bromby actually said anything wrong at all, because um, I think no, if, he, if he tries to, if he tries to not be critical or ignore the the negatives, then then people probably get upset that he's you know that it's yeah. it's propaganda um i do wonder whether it's as you say necessary to put him in that position where he's criticizing players um may, maybe they that's something they need to have a look at um whether it's yeah just for it the just, look of the it, thing it just feels like it feels like with Lee Bromby there, it feels like almost like he can't win because if if Town are doing well and he's pointing that out and he's happy about that, then people are going to say he's you know patting himself on the back and all that sort of thing. And if they're playing badly and he's pointing out where there's holes, you're going to get 
what you get on Saturday, which is where people are going, well, it's his job to fix them, etc. So it it, re- it just feels like something you can't win. <laughs> so uh, do you put him in that position again? I think maybe, like, even if you put a, a one of the... If you could nick one of the town analysts or something like that just to help out, yeah, that would, that would be absolutely fine and provide a different angle because we know it's difficult with COVID getting people into stadiums. So I know there's obviously a bit of a personnel issue as well. You have to look at who you could physically get to go. But yeah, it just, I don't know, it just feels having Lee there just feels particularly unfair on him because he just he just can't win either way yeah i would say it's probably better that he's aware of those those weaknesses than 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 not <laughs> is what i would say yeah speaking of which though umanias as at time of recording looks like he's he's on his way to huddersfield town all being well what do you think to that signing or potential signing dave uh i don't think it's bad signing and i don't i don't think um i don't think you can sort of sit here crying out that the club needs a striker we desperately need a striker and then when they sign a striker say well not that one anyway because they've bought him in because he fits a certain profile at his best he's a very good striker steve he he's had some terrible luck with injury he's had some terrible luck with managers um he's he's a player who has never really fulfilled his potential and that is the Let's be honest. That is the the fits the normal model of recruiting for Huddersfield Town at the moment. That's that's what they're looking for. Those players that they think they can bring something from. So even though the sort of optic of it is that they didn't get a striker on deadline day and they they were trolley dashing around and all that sort of thing. And we spoke about that on the last podcast. Now we didn't think that was probably the case. But I I think it. <sighs> My my concern are not about the player. It's how quickly he can get up to speed because I would argue they really need him now. You know, I, I, I have no idea if he's been training while he's been out of contract. I don't think he's actually... Has he played a game since 2019? I don't think a senior appearance. I think he's played a couple for Everton's under-23s. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So it's just impossible to say. And I think anybody who's going to go on the record when he signs and say he's definitely going to be a massive success or definitely going to be a terrible failure, I think is that doesn't know what they're talking about because we just don't know. We haven't we haven't seen him play football, have we? No. <laughs> so he's he's very I, he's very streaky looking at his previous career. Yeah. But I think sort of the the thing that makes it especially difficult to judge is he's not played at this level before. He's he's kept getting no. Premier League moves. Um, and he has had good spells in the Premier League. He did all right. He did pretty well for Hull, um, and he had one good season at Everton. To be fair, um, and at least in terms of his goal scoring rate, so it's difficult to say. Um, I, w- I would say, but yeah, you're right. I think that the worry is is how quickly can he get up to speed, but. Uh, probably better late than never, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I, you know, like I said, at his best, he's a, he's a very very good player. He's a very different profile of player to Campbell. He's not. He can put the hard yards in and be a pressing forward, but what he really wants to do is just pull off the shoulder of the last defender. He he's a, a striker who wants to get into space. Um, and he again, I've no idea what condition he's in, but he's quick. You know, he's he's one of the, I think one of the reasons he he kept getting Premier League moves and decent moves was because of his pace. So, yeah, I, I've no idea if he comes in and he's up to speed and he's he's good straight away and answers all the questions or not. To be honest with you, but I would say that 
it, it doesn't look a bad signing on on paper. Um, I think and, on paper probably better than a few of the names that were linked on deadline day. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, out of the names that were linked on deadline day, uh, you know, not to, to sort of come completely clean. There was there was only really two that we thought were were actually sort of worth pursuing properly. Mm. So yeah, I, I I don't think it's a bad signing. But as I said, you just who who knows who knows really. I I just what I don't want what I'm what I really really don't want is I don't want him to come in start training and then pick up an injury straight away yeah. because I just know the sort of the mood that's going to create from the off um, so but I would imagine he has been keeping himself in some sort of shape and there's no way town sign him if he's you know like Fifteen uh, massively stone. overweight and yeah. yeah yards yards off the pace because they there'd be absolutely no point to that signing would there no. it, it's more how quickly you can come in and get back up to speed in a match situation because you can train all you want but there's only <laughs> there's only one thing that's pl- that's like playing in a football match and that is playing in a football match yeah Djokovic and Adebayo just to put those names on there <laughs> but uh <laughs> You see, I was going to leave a little air of mystery there. <laughs> oh, we'll only get at it otherwise. Right, fantastic. I think we've witted on long enough, don't you, Dave? Yes. Good. Yeah. Right, we'll leave it there then. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye.